What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Seals Pod. I'm your host, Teddy Jenner. And this week, boy, do we have a legendary show for you. Two of the icons of the sport of lacrosse, both indoors and out from the United States of America. So it makes them even more special. We're talking to them as current National Lacrosse League Hall of Famers. It's Casey Powell and Kevin Finner. Lads, how are we? Great. Great. Good to be on the show. Thanks, Ted. Hey, Teddy. Good to be with you. And uh, obviously my great uh, fellow American and Hall of Famer, Casey Powell. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, you guys have been kind of waiting for this moment for a long time to get in the Hall of Fame. And we'll touch into that a little bit. But uh, Casey, you are in New Jersey. What's going on there? You're, you're coaching a lot of lacrosse. You're, you're molding the youth. Uh, speed lacrosse is blowing up. Uh, what's been keeping you busy, man? Yeah, I'm kind of all, all over the place, but all things lacrosse, so all, all things great. I get to be on the field and do a lot of different uh, things in the sport of lacrosse. And, um, you know, the playing has afforded me an opportunity to stay involved with the game in, in terms of coaching and uh, a modified version of the game and a foundation and a lot of different other things and equipment company. So uh, really busy, but I'm currently in Princeton, New Jersey, just finished up on the fields and I uh, got dropped up and ran in here to, uh, to get on the, uh, on the podcast and excited to talk with both of you. Well, we can't all look as good as Finn does in a mere moment's notice, but Finn's in Philadelphia. <laughs> you, you spent some time in Florida working on that tan, but um, what have you been up to since the last time you put on a pro uniform? Yeah, Teddy. No, I, I, I just left Florida about a year ago. I was actually part of the year, Casey's neighbor uh, in Delray Beach. So um, I came back um, up uh, about a year ago now to Philadelphia, you know, where I really made my bread and butter. I was down in Florida for those 11 years wanted to come up north to be near my mom who's up in Manhattan until we got through COVID. She got the vaccine. So came back up here, um, met up with some great people, both uh, in indoor and, and, um, and field lacrosse, notably Fusion Lacrosse and Penlax All-Stars. Um, so they've been awesome. Uh, Kevin Crowley and, and most particular Steve Holmes. Um, got a chance to really coach kids in box lacrosse for the first time in my life, you know, at a consistent basis with Penn Lax All-Stars. So that really was great. And um, getting ready in a couple of weeks to do my 26th annual summer camp down in uh, Stone Harbor, where it all began. So just been doing a lot of coaching, a lot of training, but mostly, mostly, mostly just looking after Mama Finn in Manhattan. Yeah, that's awesome. We want to wish her the best and hopefully you guys can get through this and Mama Finn can be there for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony that most likely will be in a couple months time. Um, when you got that call, Kevin Finneran, were there nerves? Were there tears? Was there excitement? What was going through your mind when you found out that you were going to be uh, inducted in the National Cross League Hall of Fame? Uh, really, all, all of the above, Ted. You hit it right in, right in the nail on the head. Nerves, um, you know, excitement, and, and, and definitely tears, you know. Um, got a call. I was doing some work down in Old City at a local coffee shop, and Mike French was on the line. And um, when he said, I want to be the first, then I, you know, to congratulate you, I was totally pumped. Um, so many great memories. Um, you know, I, I, I knew after a five-year hiatus, my chances would probably get a little bit better. But, you know, as Casey could probably attest, I've thought over the years that I would have a good chance and, you know, just had to wait and wait. So it's behind me. I'm excited. Couldn't be happier to go in with such a great class. And obviously with such a great teammate uh, of mine for many, many years, Casey, but some of the other boys, obviously, as well, who I played with and again. So it's special. Probably very uh, similar for you, Casey. Uh, where were you when, the, when you got the call? 
Yeah, I was uh, driving in my car down in Florida, and I too got the call from Mike French, a uh, legend. And um, you know, I've uh, I've had I've gained some accolades and some awards in the National Hall of Fame and some uh, New York type stuff. But uh, this is certainly my greatest honor, um, Teddy. I was a teammate with you and, and Kevin, and I was coached by by Kevin. And um, you know, it, it was wasn't always easy. My first couple of years in the league uh, were, were difficult and a learning experience. And then we got kind of. Uh, you know, thwarted out in, uh, in Anaheim down there. But, um, you know, I, I, I kept kind of going at it, kept learning and had some great people to, to follow uh, some of the greats, the all-time greats that I got to play with and against. So um, I'm, uh, you know, I knew Kevin had a shot. Uh, I knew I had some awards, uh, but uh, Kevin's got the rings. So I was a little concerned about that, but uh, <laughs> really excited and, and honored to have this opportunity and to celebrate with Kevin and, and the National Lacrosse League, which uh, is a league that I've adored and, and really appreciated the opportunity to be a part of. I want to sort of touch on those first few years. How much of a struggle was it for you? Um, You know, coming out of Syracuse, you you go to Rochester, you're a Nighthawk. Um, It's an incredibly deep and talented team, but you guys were in a rough and tumble division with Buffalo and Toronto and, and Philadelphia and New York. What were the first few years like for you as you learned the box game and the trials and tribulations of it? Well, I think, um, you know, first and foremost, when, when I was growing up, my goal was to play lacrosse for Syracuse University and to be the best lacrosse player that I could be. And, uh, and I did that. And, and my, my dream came true. And I, I didn't, at the time, dream to play pro lacrosse. Uh, I didn't dream to play for the Rochester Nighthawks. I, I knew about it. I, I watch a game here and there. But I didn't have a ton of box lacrosse experience or box lacrosse aspirations. So um, it was a, I was hired by Warrior Lacrosse Company. It was the first time I ever had a, a paycheck. It was the first time I ever had money. Um, I had all these cool opportunities or I was able to travel around the country. And to be quite honest, I wasn't a good teammate. Um, I, w- I didn't come to, to every practice. I didn't grind it out. And I wasn't completely passionate about it at the time. Um, so, um, you know, I think – and I was treated as such by my teammates. I think they saw that I wasn't uh, 100% – completely into it. So uh, not only was I against, you know, uh, some, some formidable competition, but I was also, you know, still trying to gain the respect of the, the people in my locker room, which later on down the road, I learned was, was the most important thing in, in terms of having a success in the box game. So uh, those first couple of years were tough, um, but, but certainly a learning experience. And uh, I'm glad it, it happened the way it did, did because it made me appreciate the game later on down the road when I was, I was able to pick it back up again. Kevin, did you find any struggles in your first few years with the Wings when you stepped indoors for the first time? Well, it was really Boston beforehand. You know, I, right, I, right. right out of college, um, I got transferred there and I started there. We were an all-American team. I was all over the map, righty, lefty, going from behind, you know, shooting with no angle. So I learned, um, played my first game, couldn't hit the side of the barn. Dallas Ellie shut me out. Second game, I, I sat, uh, I didn't dress. And my third game against Sal Ocasio in the New York Saints, I had three and three. And I, my confidence just skyrocketed that year. So went from there. I got transferred to Detroit. So that's when I really kind of fell in love with it and really kind of like learned from the best. Because mm-hmm. myself and Adam Mueller um, and maybe one or two other guys were the only uh, Americans on the team. So I learned from all the great Canadians and obviously learned from the, from the GOAT in Gary Gate. Um, and the coach, Mito Martinello, who really taught me the game. And it's an interesting little fact, not a lot of people know. I'm a natural lefty, and the rest of my career, I played 99% lefty. But that year, we had Gary, Paul, Brian Nicola. We had some psychotically great uh, lefties, so I, I switched over to the right-hand side. 
And, yeah. you know, that was, that was interesting. That helped me in different ways, but then going to Philadelphia and, um, and then learning from those guys again, another great coach and Dave Evans and then Dallas and Gates came across along and then the rest was history. I just picked it up game by game, you know, try to fit in my role, how I could help out. Um, and um, again, that, that time, I, I was a natural lefty playing my natural position the rest of my career, which was great. I think that's um, a pretty cool part of your story. And we see it a lot with lacrosse players. Now they, they come in and they think they're going to be one thing, but they're maybe way down the depth chart and may not be able to be that thing. So they get put into a different role and asked to do something different. Casey, did you ever feel that you weren't asked to be sort of the number one guy when you first came in and might, that might've kind of, played a role in, in why you weren't as successful in those first two years because you thought you were the guy and maybe weren't able to be that? Did I act that way, Teddy? No, not no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, um, you know, the lack of box experience that I had coming into Rochester and and with the amount of talent um, in that on that club was uh, impressive. And it did allow me to kind of ease into the game. So I was, uh, you know, Anaheim, we were, I was asked to be more of the guy in Rochester. Um, I was not, I was uh, asked to be more of a supporting cast and kind of eased into the game a little bit, but uh, it was great to be a part of a, an amazing team. And again, you know, even now I'm still learning the box game and, and learning the little, uh, you know, in, ins and outs of it. But that, those, those, those early years of my career certainly set me up for, for success later on. And I was lucky to, to get through it um, uh, mentally, physically, and with my confidence and, and uh, have, as you guys said, have have great coaches and learn from the great players that I was able to play with and against. Uh, we're here on the Seals pod. Uh, San Diego has great beaches. Anaheim has great beaches. There's beaches all across North America. And you've started speed lacrosse. And I don't want to say it was the epitome for what the Olympic lacrosse is kind of going to look like. But speed lacrosse has really taken over and you've really created a nice little niche for yourself. Yeah. So when I, uh, when I retired and, uh, I, you know, had the opportunity to kind of reflect on my career, um, I thought about, Hey, why was I so successful at the game? Why were my brothers so successful? We didn't do things differently than a lot of the other guys, other than we had nightly lacrosse competition, which felt like a world championship every single night in our backyard. We would, my brother, Mike would, would tie the net. My brother Ryan would bring a flower, a bag of flour and do the crease and whatever little grass we'd have left, I'd be mowing the lawn and the neighbors would over and, uh, and we, and it felt like a, a world championship and we would compete. We would dive. We would, we would cry if we lost, like it was, it was full on competition. So with a stick in my hand all day, playing wall ball and playing catch and then being able to compete on a nightly basis. Um, not only did it, help my skill development but it really built my passion for the game and it allowed me to be creative with, uh, with the game I didn't have a coach there telling me what to do and what not to do and all that kind of stuff so it was free play and and that really catapulted me to a, a long career of uh of development of uh, uh, uh loving the opportunity to compete and um and having that create a flair uh, so to speak so um, I started speed lacrosse, which is a 40 yard by 20 yard court, almost the same size as my backyard. And I developed a, a, a stronger rule set around it that uh, kids can go out and, and utilize and use. And um, not only kids, but also people that like myself who, who don't want to get whacked on the arms anymore, but still want to kind of break a sweat. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm a big believer in it. I, I really think it's uh, something that the, 
the world, um, you know, lacrosse could benefit from and U.S. lacrosse and Canada lacrosse could benefit, benefit from and getting more people to play it because all you need is a stick. And um, that that's been, uh, you know, important to me. So the message of it and, and the sampling and the development and the building of passion um, for me uh, is a, a, a perfect kind of test tube for what lacrosse uh, uh, or an introduction to what lacrosse uh, should be. Um, I, I have a, a hard time with watching five and six and seven year olds run around with equipment and trying to keep their pads on and, you know, touch the ball two or three times a game. So um, the, the goal is to get more, more touches, uh, to have more fun. And, you know, one of the analogies that I always use is, you know, I'm, I'm not a great golfer, but if, if I hit a, you know, a 20 foot putt in for a, a double uh, par, you know, I, I still feel good. And that's kind of what you're seeing. You're seeing kids that don't normally have a feel good feeling um, that there's more opportunity to get involved and pick up a big ground ball, make a, make a nice pass. So I'm a big believer in speed lacrosse. And I think, um, you know, we're, we're just trying to get warmed up. And I really developed the game and the set of rules uh, based off my past experiences of playing field and box and backyard lacrosse. And I really wanted to create it for, for the game of lacrosse to benefit from. And it's uh, starting to take hold. Uh, you're upstate New York, Kevin's Long Island, which is the bigger lacrosse hotbed or sorry, the better lacrosse hotbed. <laughs> I, I, I've always, well, I, I, I won't say who's better because I, I, that's not how I, I roll, but you know, you got to throw in Baltimore there. And mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as, as far as the importance of the sport and it's a major city, which makes it, I always like saying that, you know, I'm from Long Island, Casey's from upstate, you know, but Baltimore is a major city. So, um, but as far as who's better, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll echo what, um, what, what Casey was saying, uh, Teddy, about speed. And uh, the more ways that kids can have fun in, at the sport of lacrosse, the more kids are going to want to play it. Yeah. So, as I said, in, in a few weeks, I have my camp coming up. We'll play field lacrosse. We'll, we'll, we'll play box lacrosse because there's an outdoor rink there. We'll play beach lacrosse. You know, and then we'll certainly play speed lacrosse. So that's what makes it fun for the kids. And that's that's what I'm all about. I love the game. I played at a high level. I played with and against the greatest of my generation. Uh, but I the most fulfilling thing for me is helping kids get to college and helping young kids get introduced to the sport and have fun with it. Yeah, from, from speed lacrosse to what U.S. box was doing all across the country, the, the game of box lacrosse is growing huge. And you mentioned Penyan or Penyan Penlax All Stars and Penyan right. and all that stuff. And and we have here in San Diego, we obviously have the Royals now, and the Dragons are playing. And um, there's the California Box League, the Colorado, Connecticut, Upstate New York. Like what U.S. box is doing for the game in the states, it I don't think can really be attested to how important it is and how strong of a relationship they're building with these young kids in the game of box. How have you guys seen the acceptance of the box game uh, with the American youth? Because for years, those kids never played it. And then once they found the box game, they're like, Oh, what the heck is this weird version of the field game? So how are the kids now accepting it, Kev? Well, again, I can only speak for Philadelphia because I was down in Florida for 11 years. And by the time I, when I left, there was no box across for youth kids here. Yeah. Now it's the, you know, the midgets, the pantoms, the peewees. Um, so they're all playing it and they play it the correct way yeah. because yeah. the coaches correct coach them, Casey, the correct way. At least kids are on their left side, cutting the middle, staying, you know, cutting the middle, pick and rolls, running to the uh, bench, getting on, getting off transition plays, working off the, uh, off the boards correctly. Goalies with the real full pads, 
Um, and this is, you know, again, eight, not eight to eight year olds to high school year olds. So in Philadelphia and around those other parts of the country, like you said, Teddy, but I can only speak for Penn Lax and what uh, Kevin Crowley and Steve Holmes and a lot of the great coaches did. I was just so blessed to be a part of it this winter. It's, it's great. And uh, as far as acceptance wise, the kids love it. So that's the bottom line. So I don't care if their coach, their field coach doesn't love it. These kids are playing because they love it. And if their par- if the parents see that they love it, it's going to continue to grow that way slowly but surely. You notice that too, Case? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what they've done is incredible. They've been able to plant seeds around different parts of the country. And it's uh, certainly something that uh, I wish I had uh, growing up. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the results don't lie uh, for sure. The best lacrosse players in the world, the best lacrosse players ever have a box lacrosse background. And um, it's important to their development, whether they're going to stick with box or, or go back to field. Uh, uh, my career in box lacrosse helped me extend my professional lacrosse career. It helped me adapt um, to the different changes as, as I was going, you know, getting slower and, you know, all the, all the different changes that you make. So um, I think they're doing an incredible job. Um, you know, it's the same feeling I have. I love the game of box lacrosse. Um, it's my, I, it's my preferred, uh, um, you know, style. Uh, if, if I had to, you know, uh, choose between the two, um, but it certainly goes hand in hand and it's something uh, that uh, they've done a great job with. And uh, I think uh, we're just going to, I think they're just getting warmed up and we're going to see the benefits uh, later on, later on down the road. The Anaheim storm were sort of the precipitous for the San Diego seals and, and the introduction of box across in Southern California. Uh, the three of us were there. Uh, there weren't many fans there, but we were there. Um, <laughs> what do you remember about those days, Kev? Cause that was um, a tough, first go for pro lacrosse in Southern California? Well, I always loved coming out to Cali. That's for sure. That was a highlight. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't end up moving out there. Like I think CP did the, the, yeah. the year after. Um, so that was great. Along with some guys, um, you know, I, I remember uh, a, a team that worked hard um, and we, we were thrust into the coaching staff three games in. So I, I had just retired. I felt I could play another year or two, but I decided to kind of retire. So, I was still learning the game as a coach um, and we played a lot of tough games, a lot of close games. Uh, and, um, but it was a great experience. I actually, the next year decided not to coach and try to try out again, come out of retirement with the wings. Um, so again, it's up until recently, I hadn't coached box lacrosse in a long time and it's been great to get back into it. And um, this is obviously the icing on the cake. What's going to happen to Casey and I yeah. in, in yeah. a couple of months. And um I always like to say there was no way I would have made Team USA with Casey in 1998 and win the world championship down in Baltimore without the first five or six years of my career playing box lacrosse as well. That differentiated myself from a lot of the players that might have been a better field lacrosse player for me, but I had some of the intangibles and the nuances that box lacrosse taught me. I wasn't going to bring up 98. Why the hell did you have to bring up 98? (laughs) That's, That's right, so Teddy. Mean. You were on that squad. Oh, my brother Freddie was on that team. Oh, I was, okay. I was sitting in a bar at home and I watching it, and uh, I still can't watch overtime. Um, but just to to add to that, we'll get back to Casey's Palace on on uh, on the beach in Southern California. But <laughs> that, that '98 game, I still think is the greatest lacrosse game ever played, and I still think it should be a thirty for thirty ESPN documentary because what was it? 12-2 in the third quarter and you guys yeah. were just absolutely steamrolling us and then Tapper started winning draws and Maritrek started to get his hands free and just the snowball started how was that for you guys because like we talked to the Canadians about it all the time and how memorable it was 
as guys on the other side of the coin, watching that comeback and being a part of that, what was it like case? Well, I just remember that, uh, you know, we got the big lead. I was uh, semi injured. I played sparingly and um, I was trying to ad- adapt to that, but I just remember jumping on Canada and uh, I was like, Hey man, I'm going to have a gold medal. And the whole stadium thought then the whole, half the stadium left. And I just remember, <laughs> you know, at halftime, you know, the, they started scoring, Canada started scoring and scoring and then people, weren't allowed back into the stadium until they started climbing the fence to get back in before you knew uh-huh. it midway through the fourth quarter where there's, you know, more people that were there in the first place. So right. the word around and the buzz was going, but it was, um, you know, it was, it was a game where, you know, you're up early. So you feel like you have the upper hand. And then, you know, when uh, the other team's coming back, your confidence is shot a little bit and you're like, Oh man, like, you know, we're, we're not doing so well here. But uh, obviously the ending um, was uh, preferred. Um, but it was an incredible game to be a part of on the sidelines and so many legendary players, my idols uh, were on the other team. And, um, just, uh, just to be a part of a game like that in front of all the different countries and my first international experience was something I'll never forget. And, uh, I, I would, I've never been a part of a, a greater game as well. Kev, how special does that moment rank on, on the list of accomplishments and championships that you have? Oh, it's definitely top five. You know, I mean, um, it was at the time a little bittersweet for me because the, um, international cross, um, foundation had a, a wacky rule. You could only dress 20, 22 players or something like that. Um, and, uh, myself and a couple other buddies, you know, again, at the time I was an incredible game, incredible to be a part of it. And I never focus on that, especially down the road now, years later, but, um, it was, um, it was something and, um, it definitely one of the highlights of my, of my, of my championships, um, my parents were all there, my family, and, you know, I, I, I know what these guys could do as we were playing and we were kicking butt. I knew who was on the other side, Gary, Paul, Marichek, Tavares, John Grant Jr. I can go on and on. And a tapper was kicking butt and your defense came, came up back. So I knew it wasn't going to be easy, even that far ahead. And so it, it was a great experience. And again, having in Baltimore close to home. So definitely one of my top, top, top five experiences. And then to make matters worse, three years ago, CP, I was coaching. Um, we were we were in um, uh, again. I think Baltimore. Yeah, it was um, University of Maryland won that championship, and I, I wore my ring. I was wearing my USA uh, field uh, ring when I'm coaching field, and then when I'm coaching box, I wear one of my indoor rings. But um, um, wearing that proud as I had for 20 years since 1998 when we won, and I, I was so sh- so out of shape, CP. I couldn't wear the wear the ring on my regular finger, so I had yeah. to wear it on my pinky. <laughs> the, the course of the of the day, I was excited coaching up the little kids. Next thing I look, I look down and I'm like, "Please tell me it's in the bag." So I stormed the whole field, all my hotel room, the cars for like hours, and it's in Baltimore somewhere. No <laughs> oh, way! Yeah, sucks. Wow, I know. And I tried to I tried to go through the loops loops. With uh, Justin's, I went with this guy, you know, this is two, three years back, gave him all the info. He was not very professional. He never fired just to make a copy of it or something like that. Yeah. So right, right. Uh, it's still a great memory. It'll, it'll be on the next uh, episode of uh, Pawn Stars or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Teddy. Uh, thanks, buddy. Um, Casey, uh, you've seen The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Um, did you notice the hat that Dennis Rodman was wearing? I didn't. Class of 47. Oh, class of 47. That place was bomb. I did see that. I forgot. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a bar in, uh, what was it? Uh, what was it? Balboa Island. In, yeah, Balboa Island in, in yeah, Anaheim. 
what what a spot that was you took me and cam bergman there after one weekend and we got a little sideways but uh yeah. you have a great spot right there down on newport beach um literally steps from the sand and the ocean was that sort of when you kind of started really diving into being a professional cross player and, and really learning life and 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 focusing yourself on on what it took to be there because you had moved there you were in the market you were doing everything you could for the anaheim storm and it really catapulted your career because you had taken some time off yeah for, yeah for sure i was able to um you know um work for the anaheim storm franchise and do a lot of uh, different public appearances and understand what it meant to get involved with the community and and uh and understand the the impact that i could make on, on a community which is such a huge deal in terms of uh making a presence um and uh inspiring more people to enjoy the game so um yeah it was a great opportunity obviously there's a lot of distractions but i just remember i had a convertible and i'm you know with my lacrosse bag in the back and I'm driving to the Anaheim Arrowhead pond. I'm like, this is, this is pretty awesome right here. A boy from Carthage, New York is now, uh, you know, has surfer hair and uh, yeah. is driving a convertible to a professional lacrosse game in Anaheim, California. So yeah, it was, it was certainly a great experience and um, you know, everything that I've done has kind of led up to, to where I am and I'm very uh, thankful for all the awesome experiences that I've had. You get, California sunshine. We also get Florida sunshine with the Orlando Titans. Um, you guys went on an epic run uh, with them losing to Calgary in the finals. Uh, that was the year you're named MVP. You become the first American to do it. Um, that was a special year for you guys. How amazing would it have been if Caleb Toth didn't score that last goal right before halftime to kind of set the tone for the second half? How cool would it have been for you guys to win that trophy? And, and despite everything that was going on with the Titans organization. Yeah, I mean that toss shot was a was a, a dagger uh, for sure. Kind of took the the air out of us a little bit, but um, we we had a very special team. We had a very special club from the the ownership down. Um, you know the the coaching and um, with with Eddie Como and you know after Adam Mueller kind of got the the program going. So uh, really lucky to be a part of it. Um, we we had a lot you know a lot of Americans that were kind of in the same boat as me. We're learning to um, you know figure out a role and how to help and, and where to help. And then we had a great supporting cast and and uh, a guy named Vino between the pipes who <laughs> who did a pretty good yeah. job and He's continues to do so. But we had a great club. We were, we were um, you know very tight and uh, in my experience with. With uh, pro lacrosse uh, throughout the years, the, the tightest teams uh, uh, do the do the most damage out on the floor together. They care about each other and they, they care about their performance and stuff like that. And we, we certainly had that. So we didn't win it, but uh, it was a special run. And, uh, you know, I don't regret anything uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the performance that we put out there. So we, we, we had a great, great run. Does the magnitude of being, uh, you know, the, the first American MVP in the National Lacrosse League still weigh on you? Is that something you think about and, and hold dear? Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's incredible. That's, uh, it's, it's an incredible stat and, um, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, you, you, when you look at guys like Tom Schreiber and, you know, the guys that are playing after me and Connor Fields and, you know, uh, guys like that, American guys that, you know, could get the job done, they, they get off to hot starts or they go on runs and, um, you know, and then kind of, you know, fade out or, you know, don't finish quite as strongly. So they're still kind of on the up like I was and where they're, they're trying to continue to put it all together for, for a 16, 18 game season. So um, it, yeah, it's, it's an incredible accomplishment. Um, it was, uh, I think more than the award itself was getting the respect of the, uh, the people that I played against. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think that was, 
I, I agree with that. That's huge because there was, I don't want to say there was always that, oh, he's just an American guy playing box. Like everybody knew how talented you were and how special you were. But that moment was sort of a crowning achievement of everything that you had done and everything you had accomplished, not just personally, but for the game of lacrosse itself. I think it was um, just a, a very, very special moment for the game of lacrosse to, to show Americans that, hey, we can hang in the indoor game with these Canadians. It's not just their game anymore. We're kind of we're here now. And you yes. mentioned, you know, the, the, the Shrivers and the fields and, uh, you know, Matt Rambo and, and the list of guys that are coming up through the ranks and all the kids that are now in these U.S. boxing programs that we're going to be hearing for years to come. Is, yeah. There is an influx of Americans coming to the box game that we've never seen before. And I think that is only going to make this game more special as we get more and more kids really diving into the indoor game. And, and Kev, you talked about it. the kids in Philadelphia are really starting to love the game. The cool thing is a lot of those kids that are playing box across in Philadelphia now are probably sons of guys that watched you as a Philadelphia wing and watched Casey as a Rochester Nighthawk. Those guys that grew up on the box game, watching it as fans are now getting their kids involved and, and it's making the game more special for the American players. And it kept, it's, it's so funny you say that because uh, I was at a tournament last weekend and our ball boy for the wings for five years, he's now 40 and his son is on the team. His son is, you know, 10 years old, 14 years old or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I, I know you want cool, fun stories and I love telling them that, that freaked me out. Like to see this kid who's now a man 40, he was our ball boy for five years on the wing. So yeah, but there, there's so many others um, for sure. Um, and I, you know what I'm really going to um, see this Teddy and CP is, is when the season comes back this year and I go to the, I go to the games again and, right. you know, right. have, people have not been around, you know, seeing the game and there'll be those fans that, that did come to games and invariably they're like, I used to want come watch you play thinner and, you know, that was awesome. So absolutely. And, um, um, I, I'll go back a little bit with, with another Casey Titan story. So part of the reason I moved to Florida, Teddy was. I wanted to grow the sport down there. Every every year I would like have a bye week. My girlfriend and I at the time would go down to Miami and I'm like, I want to get a team down here. I want to get a team down here. That wasn't feasible, but where the Panthers plays was. So 2009, I brought down uh, Casey's New York Titans team at the time against my old team, the Toronto Rock. And they played uh, the first uh, regular season game ever in the state of Florida. We called it the Florida Lacrosse Cup. Uh, Casey was the captain of the Titans and, um, um, Colin Doyle, I think, for um, Toronto, Glennie Clark and Jimmy Belt when we're coaching, yada, yada, yada. So we were excited. It was a great event, great venue, decent crowd, great game. But backing up like two hours before the game, Casey still hadn't signed his contract. And I was I was I was like, please, Casey, sign your contract. I need you out here. So I I always like to tell that tight story. Uh, I I was holding out for more per diem. (laughs) <laughs> you got 25 bucks instead of 20 back then yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the holdout worked <laughs> uh kev you won four titles with the wings uh correct me if i'm wrong but that's four titles with the wings and you also got one with the toronto rock in 02 and you became one of the first americans to actually play for the toronto rock in that incredible run and and you mentioned guys like colin doyle and veltman and clarky how special was it to be a, a part of that team as historic as they were in the run that they were on Sure. I mean, I, I had 10 great years with the wings, um, you know, and my, my, my 11th year coming in, they wanted to make a couple of changes. And um, I said, okay, I understand, you know, but um, I still got some game in me. So um, 
I didn't know what to do. Um, less partly, in fact, he, he tells me that, uh, God rest his soul, him and Eddie Camo were uh, like getting ready for the season, getting ready for training camp. And they're like, Kim Squire had gotten bone eating flesh thing or something like that, um, that disease, right. flesh eating. And so they were needed a lefty. And then either Eddie or Les said to one each other, how cool would it be if Kevin Finneran was like available or something like that? And so sure enough, Les called me. We went back and forth. Uh, I said, yeah, I'll do it. And then I, on my way to see my mom, I kind of was so nervous. I'm like, I don't think I can go play for them. That'd be like, you know, being an Eagle and going to play for the Cowboy or being a, a Syracuse Orangeman like CP and going to play for Hopkins. So I, I backed out. He goes, why don't you come on up? You know, check it out. We'll fly you up. And that sold me. I went out, went to the dressing room. And yeah, it was, it was special being the only American, but also playing against all these guys I hated for years, right. but right. they welcomed me. Um, I, I, again, I fit my role, got right in there and, you know, finishing up with my fifth ring ending, it was really special with them. No doubt. Uh, Casey, when you were brought to Colorado by Steve Govett, um, you were, you know, at the prime of your indoor career and, and you were playing some outstanding lacrosse, but Denver was still sort of a, a a city on the grove for the world of lacrosse. And this is kind of a theme of this, wherever you guys kind of go, lacrosse starts to build. And what did you like about the Denver lacrosse market and, and the, the mammoth fans and what Steve Govett had built there? Steve Govett, Steve Govett. Sounds, sounds familiar. <laughs> oh, I think I remember him. Um, well, listen, so, you know, that, that's the, the, that place is unbelievable. And I played there for years. It's a, it's a real professional atmosphere it is no joke and every time i went there and as an opponent i just thought to myself god i'd love if all these fans were cheering for me and uh, it never happened uh, it was an incredibly difficult place to play but incredibly energetic the the fans the community loved it uh got behind it supported it and uh i was uh i was a little bit jealous of all that and uh you know i remember playing in rochester after you know, uh, going, going to Boston and then to Rochester. And I got the call from Steve Covet that he was going to trade for me. And it was a really a dream come true to, to have the opportunity to go out there and play for such an amazing organization. That's uh, created such a, a, a ripple effect of uh, Western uh, lacrosse expansion. So that was a dream come true for, a, for, uh, for me and my, my professional lacrosse career to play for the uh, most passionate fans that I had ever played in front of. Yeah, it, it was amazing to see what, what they've done. And obviously the hope is now that that's what's going to happen here uh, in San Diego. And just once people see the game and understand it and start to get behind their team and their players, um, it can be a lot of fun. And, and you mentioned it, Colorado is an absolutely sports mad town and, and they love everything they do. And, and Steve did a great job there and he's doing an incredible job here with us in San Diego. But Kev, you played with Steve in Philly, yes? I did. What was he like in the locker room as a teammate and, and as a leader of that group? Because that was, or those were some incredibly passionate teams and the Philadelphia Wings. Yeah, I, I think Steve came, um, correct me if I'm wrong, 1994. And because um, he had known Gary and Paul and Tommy, and we had um, all three of those guys in the squad. Um, <laughs> <Tough lineup>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, uh, and we were like, where did this guy come from? I mean, he was definitely, uh, you know, like a, um, a character from Slapshot. And um, so we were kind of like, well, all right, all right. And then to make matters more interesting, he wore the quarterback face mask. He didn't have the full bar of CP. He just had the quarterback. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. So that was so unique. 
Um, and, you know, he, he was tough, man. He, 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 you know, the old saying, you love him on your team, you hate him against you. And um, so uh, right away, we knew he was going to help us win our first championship in 94. And then another one in 95 where he fed uh, Gary for the wing, winning assist, which um, closed down the uh, spectrum. Last game ever there, any sport, basketball, lacrosse, or, or hockey. And then, uh, so yeah, he was tough uh, character, uh, great teammate. Um, and, um, you know, obviously he's gone on to do amazing things as, as a business executive uh, in the uh, National Lacrosse League. And he's doing some great stuff in, in the world of lacrosse and helping grow the game. And, and just the, the magnitude that people take for the world of lacrosse and, and you take experience that you get as a player and you push that towards your past life um, is something that a lot of people do. And, and you guys are doing it and growing your game coaching with speed lacrosse and, and your youth clubs and, and Steve's doing it in the executive level. And we all have our, you know, our role in growing this game and, we talked about you guys come from hotbeds of lacrosse and it's great to be able to go back home and see the results of all the work you're doing in Casey Carthage may not be the most known lacrosse city out there, but it has produced some absolutely phenomenal talent. What's Carthage like as a town? Cause it's pretty quiet, right? Yeah, it's a small, uh, small town, blue collar. It's in 90 miles north of Syracuse. It's uh, there's a river that runs through it called the Black River. And uh, it was a paper mill town. So there's three different paper mills in which my grandfather worked in and my dad's brothers and my dad worked in. And, and if lacrosse uh, didn't come to town, then there, I'd probably would have followed suit. But it was a perfect town to grow up in. It was a, a small village surrounded by uh, dairy farms and, and not a whole lot of distractions. And you know, when, when we said, hey, we're going going to the city to do some shopping, that was heading down to Watertown, New York, 13 miles away to, you know, to go to the, the Salmon Run Mall and to, and to check it out. But um, I just had a wonderful group of athletes and friends and uh, go-getters. Uh, we, we didn't have aspirations to really uh, be anything other than to have fun and enjoy the day. And I've been able to kind of carry that on throughout my career where Hey, today's the day and uh, I'm going to give it all I got. And, and this is, you know, um, if I have the, if I had the opportunity to play lacrosse and th this was the big one. Um, so it was just a, a perfect town. And, um, you know, we've, we've inspired a lot of people to kind of continue and it continues to be a lacrosse town. There's a, there's a sign at the entrance that says a welcome the, to Carthage home of the Powell brothers. And, nice. you know, it's something that we're uh, really, really proud of. And uh, nice. we've, made an impact on the community and, and, but, uh, you know, getting back to the question earlier, uh, I think upstate lacrosse is the number one hotbed in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well done. Well cradle of lacrosse. Through. It's the cradle of lacrosse. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, it was a joy to grow up there and to be a part of a, such a cool town. And that continues to, to strive in, in the game of lacrosse. Um, with everything that's going on in the indigenous culture uh, across North America with the residential schools and racial abuse through, through all sports, um, the area that you grew up in upstate New York does have a lot of reservations and a lot of Indian culture throughout. As you grew up, how much more did you learn about the sport of lacrosse through the creators game and through the stories that the indigenous players of our league tell? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about it. That's what initially got me excited about it. My uh, gym teacher who would be, later on became the high school coach, uh, Kirk Venequatro told me that uh, the native Americans created the sport and that was intriguing to, to, 
me and my brothers who had the same lesson in that gym class before we knew anything about the game and uh, uh, warriors used it as ways to prepare for war and to uplift and heal. So that was a really intriguing part of it. I thought the, the, the history of that. Um, and it wasn't until college where I uh, started to get kind of recruited to play for the Akwesasne Thunder and, and played uh, every summer up there. And I'd, I'd read up with uh, Jeremy Hollenbeck and Red Burnham and Ronnie Davis and um, you know, I'd kind of be the young guy in the back and these guys had all sorts of stories and, and a lot of them, I can't tell, uh, yeah. the, of the stories, but, and then I, I was able to play for the six, for six nations and, and we are, uh, coach Simmons at Syracuse was, uh, uh a big fan of the tie-in, um, you know, bringing or tying in the Syracuse lacrosse program to the native American roots of it. And we were able to, uh, you know, go over and watch Alfie Jacques stick make and, and, and have guest speakers Oren Lyons, who was uh, coach Simmons, uh, teammate and stuff like that. So, um, it wasn't really until uh, I got to, to college where I learned the significance and the importance of it. And I certainly have, uh, you know, not only was I intrigued from the first time I heard about it, but now I just have so much respect for um, what uh, that means to what I've been able to be a part of. And I'm very thankful that um, the, the roots of the game and the respect of the game um, still are continue to be talked about and that we're uh, finally, um, you know, talking about it and, uh, and, and thanking, um, you know, what they have done for us and what they have done for our game. So, um, uh, you know, and we have great role models. Uh, the Thompson brothers, um, have just been unbelievable, uh, role models on and off the floor and, and, and they're younger than me and they were ball boys when I was at Syracuse, but I, I certainly look up to them and, and how they uh, represent themselves and, and, and their, their people and, and the game of lacrosse. So I still continue to, to learn and, um, I'm, I, I love talking about it. I love hearing about it and I love the respect, um, you know, this whole Olympic thing. I, I'm if if they can't play, I don't want any part of it. And um, I think that you know, I'm hoping that you know uh, the the uh, Iroquois uh, have the opportunity to play in it and be a part of it and and to to carry the torch. Mm -hmm. uh, guys, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Um, we could probably talk for hours, but life goes on. Uh, two questions, one for each of you, uh, Kevin. You were known for being the most fashionable guy in the National Lacrosse League back in the day, and <laughs> contracts weren't that big, so I don't know how you could afford all those fancy suits. But um, what did it mean to you to to you know look like a professional and be a professional and act like a professional so that you could be the best you could be when you got to the rink and on the floor? <laughs> well, and I'll echo what Casey's saying about uh, Native Americans, and that's really a good point. Um, and especially his last one, that if they're not a part of lacrosse of the Olympics, because you see so many of these little small countries, and just something came to mind. I mean, no disrespect that are like that have Olympic sports, like not Sanoa, but so many of those like little islands in Fiji, they have like Olympic teams in the Olympics. So there's no question that the Iroquois national team should be in there. And again, I meant no disrespect to those other countries. Um, but no, I listen, as first couple of years in, I said, I after I left my quote unquote real job in corporate America and I started coach Finn lacrosse, now 26 years, I said, all right, I am a professional at this. I'm gonna dress like a professional. Okay, I'm gonna work out and train like a professional. I'm gonna eat like a professional. I'm gonna give... Um, volunteer work and do charity work like a professional in, in Philadelphia and so many other things. And I'm certainly going to play, play like a professional. So yes, even though I wasn't making the kind of money that a lot of the guys are now that I'm happy for, and you hear that about other sports, I didn't care. I was a professional lacrosse player. 
That's awesome. Casey, uh, your last one. Um, we've mentioned his name a few times, Gary Gate. How much of an impact has he made on Syracuse lacrosse? Obviously, he's done remarkable work with the women's game. And, and now he's going to be taking over the men's team. How much has his legacy just continued to grow there and what he's done with Syracuse lacrosse since he's left and come back? Well, it couldn't be, um, you know, um, more honored to have such a, an amazing role model throughout my career. Uh, somebody that sparked my interest, um, that showed me that flair and confidence and swagger uh, can all play a big part of the game. And uh, the first time I walked into the game was 19, uh, the Carrier Dome was 1988. And I saw him and his brother and I saw Coach Simmons on the sidelines and I heard the music and I, I knew that day that's what I wanted to be. And for several years, I was Gary Gate in my backyard and my brother Ryan was, was Paul Gate and my brother Mike was the opposing team goalie. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, th the fact that, uh, you know, he's what he's done and how he's rep represented himself. And now he's uh, he's the main man now at Syracuse is a thrill. Um, and, uh, you know, he continues to to, to um, inspire me and uh, and and all the all the followers that, uh, you know, that he uh, rev he revolutionized uh, Syracuse lacrosse and, and, the, and the sport of lacrosse in general. And as a side note, I cannot wait to see Dave Petromella in an orange sweatshirt. Right? That that's crazy. Like, that was like what what Kev was talking about. We'd be like, you know, leave Casey leaving Syracuse to go for Hopkins, and now Petro's doing. It. I, I think it's going to be so cool. He's going to hear it from everybody in Hopkins. Yeah. Blue. No doubt. <laughs> uh, were you uh, were you at the Airgate goal? Yes. Airgate goal. Yeah. Did yeah. it just blow your mind? Yeah, it blew my mind. Still does. But yeah. we we went to the backyard. We my parents left for a, a overnighter and we pulled out mattresses and, you know, we're jumping <laughs> for the, over the back landing. And, you know, but uh, yeah, it inspired us to, to think outside the box and, uh, and to kind of create our own flair and, and uh, seeing that it was accepted and uh, successful. It, it gave us the, the confidence that, Hey, this is a way that we can be. And, uh, and that was exciting. And, and that's what, again, kind of helped build our passion uh, for the game. Guys, you are, pioneers even though if you don't want to see it that way you are legends and pioneers of the box game of the field game uh, and for americans playing this game the future is bright and it's all thanks to you guys uh the hall of fame is very well deserved i'm so happy for you as as former teammates foes allies and peers uh congratulations i look forward to seeing you in buffalo and appreciate your time thanks guys thank Let's you go Chad. thanks for all you do in the sport my man and um future's bright especially with guys like joe Sai and wayne Gretzky coming we have so much momentum, both field and outdoor. But obviously, our, our I, like I speak for Casey, my, my passion has always been box a little bit more. And um, if you speak to any of the powers that be, uh, Teddy, try to like see if they can get us a ring so I can replace that other one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll work on it for you, buddy. I'll do what I yep. can. Hey, go Great job, Teddy. Go play box lacrosse. Let's go, baby. Out of boy, Casey. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you.